taking too long Same old words, the same old song I'm looking for a friend who used to live up here I can still hear her voice even though she's disappeared Dangling by a string, mumbling a prayer My mojo's busted and I ain't got a spare I might be crazy but at least I'm free But I ain't worried about it my mind Champagne and a joint would do me just fine Hey, daddy gonna ride all night I think you better pull over You look like you might be a little tight Dangling by a train Mumbling a prayer My mojo's busted And I, I ain't got a spell Pictures in the tabloids Look like me That's why they love me Going hard, just a little bit slower Moving and grooving, but I'm running out of steam I ain't worried, cause this is all just a dream I'm dangling by a string, mumbling a prayer My mojo was busted and I ain't got a spell Everything's rose as far as I can see But that's why they love me Welcome again to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard, and that was Betty Lovette and Plan B from her new album, Lovette. I've got Betty here today on the Strange Brew to talk about her amazing career. Over 60 years, and we cover highlights from the early 60s up to the present day. So here's my chat with Betty Lovette. Is that Betty? Yes, is that Jason? It is. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. How are you? Even better to speak with you, so I'm good. (laughs) 
Thank you. I've been listening to your new album, including the track that's been released publicly already, Plan B. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a record that's got a collection of songs by Randall Bramler. You've heard the whole thing? Yes. Okay. Were you aware of his songwriting until recently? Or is that quite new? I did one with Joe Henry. It's been almost 10 years ago now. Right. But I didn't really know him. I worked with him. And I heard him as I was coming into the, the uh, club. He was coming on. He was on before me. And I could hear him, but I couldn't understand what he was saying. But I loved the melodies. So I asked my road manager if he would ask him to come by my dressing room if he had a moment. And he did. And I asked him, did he write for everybody? And he said, anybody who wants a song. And I asked him, would he send some songs? And he sent, sent them to my husband, Kevin. and. I picked um, two of them and I recorded them, as I said, with Joe Henry. Yeah. So when this thing came up with JV, Steve Jordan told me, why don't you find a writer that you like and have him write you some songs? And I said, as it happens, I have a writer that I like. And uh, Kevin had let me hear more of the songs then in these last eight or nine years, however long it's been. But I picked about 25 of them. Brilliant. Really, he just sounds, Jason, as if he's writing exactly what I would write if I could write. Plan B is a great example. The songs such as that seem to embody your story or elements of your life. Absolutely. It sounds just as if I had written it. He gave me a free reign to change any words that I want. We certainly speak differently. And as man, woman, you know, women yeah. look at things differently than men. So that was just adding a feminine attitude to many of the things he did. But I didn't have any major work to do. There were, like where he said whiskey, I said champagne, <laughs> you know, things like that. But uh, he he told me to just do He told me, he said, if it sings, write it. <laughs> <laughs> So I had uh, just a great time, and these musicians just played their booties off. (laughs) I was going to say that. You must have a fantastic band. Well, I've just gotten a new band. We're having our first rehearsal on uh, the 1st of June, and this is the first time I've had a new band in 20 years. So I am not excited. I am not looking forward to it. I am terrified. (laughs) (laughs) In addition to the band, you've got some wonderful musicians on on tracks like Ray Parker Jr., Charles Hodges, the great Steve Winwood as well, including on Don't Get Me Started. Mm -hmm. I was so flattered, Jason, that all of these people wanted to and were willing to come and help an old lady across the street. Hmm. I think I'm older than Winwood as well. If not, I'm older than everybody else on I think you you may be, but only on the basis he was really young when he started. So I I was really young as well. That's how I got to be older than everybody now. Yeah. Ray Parker Jr. was in my band when he was 18 in Detroit. Oh. James Carter, I talked into coming to New York, which has worked out very well for him. He was about 18. We were talking about all the 18s. Steve Winwood was about 18 when he did They Let Me Down Easy, I think. Yeah. John Batiste's father was 18 when he was in my band in New Orleans. (laughs) Steve Jordan was 18 the first time he ever went to Electric Lady. And Randall Bramblett was 18 the first time he ever went to Electric Lady and recorded. (laughs) 
Amazing. I don't know what that means, but it sounded good. <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. I'm aware of at least one version of one of his tracks that you've recorded, which was No Time to Live, which is on your Interpretations album. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a great track. And uh, Steve originally recorded that with his band Traffic. So you've recorded some of Steve's songs before. Yes, I, and I've never met him. Right. I have never met him, but I, I just, we, it's kind of like Randall, Randall and I, we just seem to be linked. <laughs> yeah. Two great voices, your voice and, and his voice as well. I would love to sing a song with him. <laughs> if we sung a song together, do you think we should sing a new song or something like that Sam and Dave did or something like that? Either way would be special as far as I'm concerned. Uh, <laughs> Well, maybe that'll, that'll come to him at some point, and then depending on what happens here, maybe that'll come forth. I'd love for it to happen. Thank you. 
none of them have ever ever seen its lonely face something is happening to me day by day my pebble on the beach is getting washed away It's definitely worth asking about Steve Jordan. What a musician, what a drummer. How did you come across each of them? Actually, on the uh, Bob Dylan album, right. my good friend Carol Friedman, who is actually a photographer and had done two or three album covers of mine, and she said, I would love to hear you do a Dylan album. And I said, right. And she said, okay. You find an idiot that will pay for it, and I'll do it. Hmm. And this was maybe a year before, maybe two years. And she came with, I've got a record deal that I can get you with Verve. And I said, what? So the deal was already in. I almost had nothing to do with the conception of it. She had in her mind, she wanted to hear Steve Jordan and Bob Dylan and me. and she talk somebody there into doing it. <laughs> was that was the Things Have Changed album? Yes. I thought I had never met Stephen, but he told me that we had met some time ago in, in L.A., but I had forgotten about it. But it's strange that I never met him because I've looked for him seemingly all of my life. I've never had such a, you know exactly what I'm trying to say, situation. <laughs> Bit a link. It, he just absolutely. And we love all the same people. We don't like the same music at all other than me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, interesting. That's a, that's a fantastic dynamic. And when I heard Things Have Changed, it's just a wonderful sound um, sounding recording. The songs are brilliant. It was uh, really well received as well. You got nominated for two Grammys. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I thought it was really well constructed. It was so me. I... I constantly argue against the word covers because yeah. Pat Moon was a cover artist. I'm not. Yeah. I reinterpret these songs and I wanted someone to think of them completely different. I think we did a wonderful job on the British interpretation thing. But um, these, Bob Dylan's manager did not recognize some of them until they got to the chorus. Brilliant. And that is what I was after.
one on me and nothing behind Sitting on a strange man's lap Drinking champagne Looking up into a self-tinted sky I'm all dressed up I'm waiting on the last train Feel like I'm standing on the gallows With my head in a noose In a minute now I'm expecting all the hell to break loose People I'm locked in tight and I'm way out of range I used to care, but things have changed Forty miles of bad road If the Bible's right, the whole damn world's gonna explode I've been trying to get just as far away from myself as I can Some things are just too hard to touch The human mind can only stand so much You just can't win with a losing hand A lot of other stuff too Don't get up gentlemen I'm just passing through People are crazy Times are strange I'm locked in tight And I'm way out of range I used to care But things have changed He ain't doing me no good It's got me all fucked up I should be in Hollywood Just for a second there I thought I saw something move Gonna take dancing lessons Gonna learn to jitter rag. I ain't taking no shortcuts I might even dress and drag Only a fool here Would think it's got anything to prove Feel like falling in love With the very next man I see Grab him by the hand and Go running on down the street You're like crazy Times are strange I'm locked in tight and I'm waiting I used to care, but things have changed
next man I meet I'm locked in tight and I'm on a rage I used to care, but things have changed I hurt easy, but I just don't show it You can hurt somebody and not even know it The next 60 seconds to be like an eternity Gonna get low down, fly real high All the truth in the world ain't nothing but one big lie I'm in love with a man that don't even appeal to me Some folks would just go and jump in the lake To make that kind of mistake People are crazy Times are strange I'm locked in tight But I'm way out of range I used to kill But things have changed 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 One of the other albums that you recorded with Steve, which was in the middle of your, I think in the middle of your more recent one, as well as the Dylan one, was uh, Blackbirds. Mm-hmm. A brilliant concept. Many songs are popularised by many of your peers. You've also got your version of the Paul McCartney song Blackbird, which had a, a resonance with the civil rights movement as well. And mm-hmm. your recording that connects with the meaning of that song. You'd be surprised how many people don't know that that's what he's singing about. I have really never heard the song before. So uh, my husband, who's heard everything that's ever been recorded by anyone in the entire world, and it's here in this house, he uh, introduced me to the song. And I said immediately, well, because I have so many British friends, because you know that it was you guys that kept me alive for all this time as I waited. (laughs) But uh, I knew that you call your women birds. And I said, he's talking about a black girl singing. And I said, I like that, Dosha. <laughs> and then when I had the opportunity to do Blackbirds, which is um, an album, my first manager, Jim Lewis, had groomed me to record. He wasn't concerned about anything else that I recorded. He wanted me to be that kind of singer. He made me learn all of those songs when I was like, 17 and 18 years old, I hated them all because none of them sounded like Sly and the Family Stone or (laughs) James or whoever else I wanted to hear. But he told me, if you will learn these songs, you will may never be a star, 
but she will be able to work all over the world for the rest of your life. Yeah. I'm sure he didn't know what's going to take the rest of my life to <laughs> do so, but... <laughs> Blackbird singing in the dead of night. I took my broken wings and learned how to fly all, all of my life. I have waited. This moment to rise Blackbird singing In the dead of night I took my sunken eyes And taught my own self how to see all of my life I have waited For this moment to be free You're from the, the Michigan area originally? Yes, I'm from Michigan. I was born in Muskegon, Michigan, and then moved to Detroit when I was about two. And music in your family life, it was weaved in and music was all around you? Yes, my uh, parents uh, sold corn liquor chiefly because you couldn't go to a bar in 1946 and 47 and such if you were Black. So uh, they came to my house and 
my mother made barbecue and chicken sandwiches and she they showed soul shots and half pints and pints and they all worked together in the daytime so you could run a tab until payday and uh, there was a jukebox there and it played continuously i think that one of the questions in a questionnaire was what was the first song you heard all the songs on the jukebox <laughs> oh no and where other people's mothers might have been singing baby songs to them i was listening to the jukebox <laughs> your first single was on atlantic my man he's a loving man uh-huh i was uh, 16 years old and actually more interested in just meeting the entertainers i guess they call it groupie i just wanted to be with them because it, that i would be a professional singer didn't come to me for a long time but unlike living in new york everyone who sung somebody lived next door to you or went to school with you or lived down the street so it seemed doable and conceivable that i could do it or that it could happen to me i didn't know you did it i thought it happened to you <laughs> <laughs> that song had some success and you embarked on uh, a tour with some also some amazing singers like Benny King and Otis Redding do you have any memories of being with those artists or that tour yes i well especially Benny King whom i fell in love with but uh ah. but uh i had the opportunity just before he died to sing i who have nothing for he and uh Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller at a memorial service for one of them and i had a chance to sing the song and when i came off he said you know you just took my song right <laughs> <laughs> that said i've lived all my life to do that <laughs> didn't see otis much after that right beginning and then of course he died so soon but um we were as much friends as we were anything else while we may have wound up in bed together we also wound up on the floor a lot singing just sitting there singing sam cook songs and gospel songs <laughs> smoking joints <laughs>
after a year or two, you you actually uh, broke away from Atlantic, and I think you had a conversation with Jerry Wexler about leaving the label. Yes, I was telling Mike Stoll, we just did a thing for him at the Apollo, and (laughs) I was telling him, I said, you know, you and your deceased partner ruined my career, and he was stunned. I said, I left Detroit to come to New York without being asked to do a recording with Lieber and Stoller. That was the reason I came to New York. And believe it or not, they had left Atlantic that week to start their own company. Wow. Now, me being all of 17 or so and not knowing how to pour piss out of a boot, I was there. I didn't know anyone except the people I worked with in New York. I mean, in Detroit. And I knew Jerry Wexler on the phone. And you could readily tell that talking to me. So when I insisted upon leaving, in fact, he told me we were doing some work with a new young producer, Bert Bacharach, whom I, I did not know. He said he just did a thing on Dionne Warwick. And I knew Walk On By but I didn't like it because that wasn't the way I wanted to sing. And so I said, no, I don't want to do that. If I can't do Lieber and Stoller, then I'm leaving. And he said, well, okay. (laughs) He said, well, where are you going? I said, I'm leaving. (laughs) He gave me, he wrote me his own personal check. He said, you're going to need this. And that was the last time I saw him, but I talked to him even after that, even after that, after I left, I would call him like in the middle of the night. He said, would you send me $50 or whatever? And I wasn't even with the company anymore. <laughs> yeah. But after a few years, uh, by the mid-60s, you had one of the great singles, Let Me Down Easy. It was only a couple of years later. And I was in New York, six fours and spot. And just as it is now, anything could happen in New York. The song was written by Dee Dee Ford. I was in love with one guy who wasn't in love with me. And so was she. And she wrote uh, Let Me Now and Easy for us. Yeah. <laughs> the strings on that are wonderful and, and, and kind of add an atmosphere. Those are the strings from uh, the New York Philharmonic Orchestra. Del Warren, who was the most learned musician I knew at the time. I had only, had only been singing for a couple of years. So I knew him and I had wound up with Frank Kosian as my manager after I got to New York. And he sent for Dale Warren for me to come from Detroit, which I thought was a really big deal because I knew an arranger personally. (laughs) He was maybe, I think, a year older than me. (laughs) So uh, it really, I had no idea that it was going to last me for my entire life. But it is now, as it stands, my biggest selling recording just by virtue of it having sold for so long. And it has sold every year for 60 years in some form or fashion. I've recorded it for almost every company I've ever been with. <laughs> and by other artists as well. It was even recorded by um, Spencer Davis Group. I think that's with Steve Unwood. Oh, really? Yeah. I had learned something from Clarence Paul when I was very young. This was after Atlantic. He said, borrow as much money as you can. That way, when they let you go. (laughs) So I did that. And by virtue of that, I owed when this fifth career, as I call it, when this fifth career started almost 20 years ago now, I owed 
everyone on every label that you've ever heard of me being on. But in this, in the time since then, I've got my first royalty checks because I now have paid everyone. <laughs> By the late 60s, I think there was a connection with, with Kenny Rogers. I think you did a cover of what My Condition, My Condition was in, which was fantastic. But that led you to work with Leyland Rogers? Yes, it's Kenny's brother. Right. I took the recording to let Kenny hear it. He was appearing at a club here in the first edition in Detroit. And my manager that I mentioned before, Jim Lewis, was the assistant to the president of the Musicians Union. So I saw every show that came to Detroit because I went with him and he uh, took me, he said, why don't you take the record and let Kenny hear it? And I said, no, I'm embarrassed to let him hear it. <laughs> he said, let him hear it. And I took it and Kenny loved it. The whole group loved it. And Kenny took it to his brother. And when his brother got it, he said, well, I know her. I was her national promotion man for letting me down easy. <laughs> wow. Yep. And he had his own label then. And, um, that has happened throughout this, even in coming into this fifth career, 
It's been somebody that knew me a long time ago that always wanted to help me. And some of them were kids who now got grown and got rich or whatever and have come back to help me, such as Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> yeah. But we did. He made a woman out of me, which was my first time recording in Nashville. Well, in Memphis, the company was in Nashville, but we recorded it in Memphis. That's a great combination of influences and, and sounds. And that's something that seems to be a theme of. Yeah, well, that, that comes from the jukebox. Right. In, in 1946, my father loved blues. All the recent blues songs were on there. My mother loved the popular songs and country western. All of those were on there. And my sister was a teenager. So she loved, loved the current dance songs. I didn't know that all these songs were different. I just knew a song by Red Foley, one by B.B. King, and one by Dale Evans. <laughs> I didn't know that they were different songs. I just knew all these people's songs, and all these were songs. Yeah. And I think I kept, was able to keep that attitude. Songs of a strange nature have never frightened me. If I liked them, I wanted to sing them, whoever made them. recorded a version of Neil Young's Heart of Gold as well, which is a great example of those different influences. I've grown to love that song. I could never get it. I didn't like the recording. 
but I love the song. And so over the years, working with my musicians, I've been able to get the song exactly the way I want it. And the way I do it on stage now is exactly the way I wish it had been then. Because that was released on ATCO and they were part of Atlantic. Oh, yeah. I went back four times. <laughs> four times. <laughs> Under different auspices. But, um, yeah, Ollie McLaughlin was the executive producer of that, of Heart of Gold and of the subsequent album that was never released until recently that I did with the Swampers down in Muscle Shows. And that was for ATCO as well. And they decided not to release it. And that became kind of a talking point, especially when I come over there to Britain. It was like, well, why wasn't it released? Well, where is it? Well, who's got it? And then Gilles Petard said, Gilles Petard from France said, I'm going to go to Detroit and find it. I mean, to New York and find it. And he did. And he put it out on his French label. And then another longtime fan from the Netherlands had me come over and do a live. I think it was called Let Me Down Easy Live. And at the same time, I met uh, Dennis Walker. and We did A Woman Like Me. So all three of those things happened at one time and brought me out of oblivion. This fifth career, as I call it. <laughs> interesting you mention a woman like me because that was the start of a new phase of your career and there was Giles involved in, in that reissue and and that led you to was it releasing that album originally on was it the Blues Express label mm -hmm. which was a tiny tiny label 
That was why I needed all three things. All three of these record companies were tiny. Yeah. But the three of them together and then signing with Mike Kappas at his booking agency and the three albums being out, I was able to, along with the booking agency, to go all over the world in that first couple of years to say, I'm alive. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone owned one recording by me in every district in the world, (laughs) just five or six people. (laughs) So that and the internet happened at the same time that helped me bring all of those factions together and start this fifth career, America, the Netherlands and Britain and France. And so that, that was the foundation. It seems that things have just been gradually building and building over the last 20 years. And one of those wonderful highlights was your incredible version of Love, Rain Over Me, which was originally by The Who at the Kennedy Center Honours. Were you aware of The Who when you were, you were asked to sing that song? Just vaguely. When the thing came about, my husband got in touch with the Kennedy Center Honours and told them they were also honoring George Jones, the country singer. Right. And I had just recorded his choices. And Kevin got in touch with them to tell them that. They said, well, so many people are coming from Nashville to do songs for him. We don't, there just isn't another, any more space for him. Uh, He said, in fact, we only have a song. They liked choices. They liked the way I sung it. So it was choices that really got me the gig. (laughs) And they said, we have a song by the who? And I said, the what? (laughs) and my husband as I said again who knows all things by all people just happened so that Pete Townsend was his favorite and the who were his favorite and he helped me become familiar with the song and when I went to rehearse it for the show I said there is just a small problem I said "I, I can't sing a song like that and I can't sing it with that music, I can't just can't do it. So the arranger and music director, Rob Mathis, asked the band to go to lunch, take a break. And I sung it for him a cappella. Just he and I at the piano. He came up with a beautiful arrangement. I just thought the arrangement I meant in short order. Mm. It was he who produced the interpretation album. When did you become aware of the impact that it had on the remaining who members, Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend, because when you look at the footage now of them watching you on the stage, they're moved to tears. I quite mainly see when you when you've been broke as long as I have and downtrodden, mm. you you can only be so vain. I quite vainly love to tell the story of this being one of the greatest moments in my life because it was my three stooges slack. Right in front of me was Aretha. Right above me was Barbara Streisand and Pete Townsend. Right to my right was Beyonce. Well, being from Detroit and being, uh, that's the whole story there. And of course, Beyonce is the baby. I had always wanted to have the career that Barbara Streisand had. And Pete Townsend was my husband's favorite singer. So I got a chance to do it. It was actually a four stooges slap, but I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) It was the greatest day of my life since the day we recorded my man. Ladies and gentlemen, Betty LeVette.
only the love can make it rain like when the beach is kissed by the sea only the love can make it rain like the sweat of two lovers laying in the fields
I assume that was the inspiration behind you working on the Interpretations album where you yes. did your own versions, the British rock songbook. My husband was a greater help to me than, than musically than anything because I think I knew of the 12 songs we did. I think we did 12 songs. I think I only knew about four. Right. I had only heard about four. <laughs> and of course, Kevin knew every one of them by heart. <laughs> so and has every one of them. So he was great, great help in helping me put that together. You did a, a wonderful version of Nights in White Satin. Are you aware of the writer of that, Justin Haywood of Moody Blues, and him saying that your version of his song, Nights in White Satin, again, moved him to tears? Jason, I'm, I'm aware of it, and I was so, so flattered because this is his baby he's talking about. <laughs> It was more than that, though, because he, he says he wrote it when he was 19, but he only truly heard the lyrics the first time ever when he heard your version. I was astonished. <laughs> and, of course, once again, I mean, these are all my husband's buddies that he grew up with. So I was just so flattered when he read that to me. I, I've not met him either. <laughs> in white satin Never quite reaching the end I've got letters here I've written I never meant to send Beauty I've always missed These old eyes before Just what the truth is I can't say no more But I love you I love you I love you I love you Gazing at people Some of them walking hand in hand 
exactly what I'm going through I don't think they can understand Some of them try to tell me Thoughts they can't even defend Whatever it is you wanna be, you gon' be in the end. But I just wanna say I love you. I love you. decade ago released the thankful and thoughtful album i wanted to ask you about a song called the more i search the more i die yes the lyrics to that are just so poignant we were talking about your new album where those many of those lyrics resonate with your life but that as a song for me seems to have that connection with you the young ladies three of them from nashville the songs i've done mary gochet kim mclean But anyway, they all came to see me when I was in Nashville and I did The More I Search and we all cried. (laughs) Uh. It was terrible. We were all just standing there. I'm on the stage crying and they're in the audience crying. I really love that song. But lyrics now, and of course, the older I get, I'm not a comedian. The songs, they've got to be serious. And Randall Bramblett was asking me, do all the songs have to pertain to you? I said, yes. He said, okay, excuse me. <laughs> they, I meant there's no need in me saying about something completely silly, you know? So I have to, the hardest time I had was going into those Bob Dylan lyrics. And he's such a remote writer. Writers don't particularly have anything to do with you or either they have something to do with us all or Either they have something to do with him. I, it was quite confusing. But I had to find ones that I could get into and relate to. I think things have changed. I just liked it because it's absolutely, the lyrics are just so whimsical. 
And the, I love the arrangement that they did on it for me. But trying to find a song, I was so surprised when one of them made me cry. I found out so many things about him when I looked into the lyrics. And I have to look into my lyrics like that. When I looked into Nice and White Satin, mm. I had no idea what the song meant. And then I thought about the nights when my daughter and I used to lay in the bed in those silky satin pajamas or whatever. And how when I was young, I really was not a mother. She grew up with me. Right. And that was what I was singing about. got no secrets my story bleeds poetic lines for all my deep introspection it's still my heart that they can't find they just go on they just keep on talking they never doubt the things they do But as for me, I'm still a mystery Eluded by the simple truth In my vain humiliation I've wandered through shame's dark halls I've donned a new name, assumed me a new nature, fooling nobody, just creating walls. So many chances I've taken, so many choices I have made. I choose again today to seek love.
that really connects us back into your new album, given that we started talking about how that batch of wonderful material that you've just recorded connects with you. Are there any other songs on that record that, again, really, really connect with you? Yes, all ten of them. <laughs> There's a face in the mirror that used to be mine, but now I hardly know it. I ain't got no plan B. I don't know how to do anything else. Some people call me lazy, but I am constantly working on this career in my mind. <laughs> Kevin's got to be my steady rock. I am constantly shaking. <laughs> and I feel like I ain't going to stop. Every one of them and Sooner or later, we are going to open our eyes. We're going to look around, all of us, and find out that everything we were dependent on is not there. And we're going to have to think of another way to do everything we're doing because we aren't doing it real good right now in either of our countries. Yeah. Sooner or later, that also features Ray Parker Jr., doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And the, um, the song is All Right. My cousin, who is my best friend, we've been best friends since we were seven and eight. And she was telling me, she said, go, I do old people cry so much. She said, some mornings I just wake up and I'm crying. I said, me too, March. And then when the song came, it's all right, the tears you've been crying. It's all right, because I'm crying too. <laughs> uh, well, Betty, what a privilege it is to speak with you and what a privilege it is, as we, we discussed at the start, listening to your new album. I wish you all continued success with it. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you and, and listening to some of your great music. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, Jason, it's been so wonderful talking to you because you know so much and that, you know, that's nothing but just patting us on the back when you know all about us. <laughs> yeah. Well, how could I not be aware of the music, the impact that it's made? It's just been a, a huge pleasure and honour. Well, I thank you so much. I would be remiss if I didn't. I mentioned one more time. Please. That it is you guys who kept me alive to get to whatever is happening to me now. So I am forever grateful. I mention it anytime I'm on stage there. And that is truly the God's honest truth, as they say. (laughs) So I'm grateful to you and to your wonderful country. And I'm hoping I'm going to get a chance to work this recording over there soon. I can't. But now one of the things that is awful about y'all is y'all would not give anything too much of a chance until I get interpretations and since let me down easy. So y'all got to like something else now. Yeah, well, hopefully we can get you over over to England and, and the UK. I thank you so much, Jason, baby. Thanks for talking to me. Pleasure. See you later. Bye, baby. Every star in the sky 
Thank you for listening to the Strange Brew podcast. 
If you do like the show, please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online. It's 10 years since I started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time. All your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests. To support me, just go to thestrangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. Thank you very much. Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.